A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have ordained and prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Stick it to the man. You've probably heard that used at some point in time. It's been used throughout the generations. Stick it to the man. It's the idea that we fight back. We fight back against the man. So some perceived authority or, or source of oppression, usually big business or, or government. You know, because the real problem that we face is the man. There's an idea out there that the real problem that we have is the man. And if only we could stick it to the man. If only we could overthrow the man, if only we could dismantle and replace the system, then everything would be perfect. Then there would be no problems, because unlike the man, we would build a better, a new, a perfect system. And so really, it's, it's the man, it's the system, it's the only thing keeping us from utopia. It's the only thing keeping us from peace. And every generation has labored under this false illusion. Ancient Israel was no different. At the time of Jesus that Vicky just read for us about, it was a time when Israel was oppressed by the man, the Romans. And they wanted to stick it to the man. They wanted to overthrow the system. They wanted to overthrow the government, overthrow the Romans, because they believed that they would establish a perfect, a better system. And so with Jesus coming, many people believed that he had come to stick it to the man. He was going to come and overthrow the Romans. And friends, he did. But just not in the way that anyone expected. Again, today's passage is from Matthew chapter 21, as Vicki read for us. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 981. 
in the Pew Bible, if you're there. This event is one of the few events that we have that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. I don't know if you've noticed, if you tried reading through, you'll notice that some Gospels mention some events, others other events, but very few to all four Gospels mention the same events. And this is one of those events. The triumphal entry, as it's called, or the events of Palm Sunday, are of such importance that all four Gospels mention it. The Jews of Jesus' day longed for a Messiah. They wanted someone who was going to stick it to the man, overthrow the system, and set them free. The man was Rome, and since 63 B.C., when the Roman general Pompey had conquered Israel, the Jews had been oppressed by the Romans. And the Romans weren't content to live and let live. The the Romans tried to force the devout Jews to do things that no devout Jew should do. They tried to force them to eat pork, to pay tribute and worship Caesar, and they forbade circumcision. So in short, the Romans came and were oppressing the Jews, and they were trying to outlaw or seduce the Jews out of their Judaism. And moreover, the Romans were merciless. They suppressed violently any possible rebellion. You know, we're talking about Easter, but there's a Christmas story, a Christmas story that we never talk about, and that doesn't appear on any of your Hallmark Christmas cards. And that's when King Herod got a rumor that a new king was born, a possible Messiah, someone who would threaten his power. He had all of the babies under the age of two slaughtered in one area because he wasn't going to have any other king rise up, any other possible Messiah come and disrupt things. They were merciless. In fact, 12 years before what Vicky read for us today, there was a man named Zadok, the Pharisee, who tried to stick it to the man. He and around 2,000 of his followers were killed when they tried to rebel against Rome. And the Romans strung them up on crosses. 2,000 of them. Imagine Route 1 from Rockport to Belfast, 20 miles of roadway, and for every mile, 100 men hung up on crosses. That's how many they hung up. And as of this Passover feast, which is what Vicki read for us today, Jesus comes riding into town. There had been 32 political riots over the course of the last five years. 32. Uh, Imagine 32 riots in Washington, D.C. in just five years. Jesus rides into Jerusalem to a people who are anxious to stick it to the man, to dismantle the system, to build their own. And friends, Jesus did ride into town to bring a revolution, just not the one that anyone wanted just not the one that they were looking for. You know, we heard in today's text that Jesus had made arrangements ahead of time for his trip into Jerusalem. He'd prearranged for a donkey so that he could ride into Jerusalem. And and Matthew notes that that was the fulfillment of Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, this is the same way that Solomon entered into Jerusalem when he was to be crowned king of Israel. 
when King David was going to hand the kingdom over to his son Solomon, he had Solomon mount up and ride David's own donkey into Jerusalem, as recorded in 1 Kings chapter 1, starting in verse 33. King David said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him, anoint him king over Israel. The word anoint, Mashiach, is where we get our word Messiah, the anointed one. Anoint him as king. Just as Solomon had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey to be anointed as the king, so now Jesus, in kingly fashion, rides on a donkey into Jerusalem. And as he did, the crowd was singing festival songs. The Hallel designates Psalms 113 through 118. It's part of the Jewish liturgy. And on their way to great feasts, such as the Feast of Passover, which is what everybody was coming into Jerusalem for, they would have sung the hymns, the Hallel hymns. And hymn 118 was considered a crown of those hymns. It was considered to be pointing towards the promised Messiah, the promised anointed one who was going to come for Israel. And so we hear them declare in the text that Vicki read for us, Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. Hosanna, which means save us. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, the phrase that we use all the time, Hosanna, the phrase that we sung over and over again this morning in our songs, Hosanna is a Latinized transliteration of the Hebrew, Hashiana, meaning please save or save now. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord was a popular greeting that was used amongst the festival travelers. So many saw that these words and this greeting all pointed to a Messiah who would come and finally fulfill them perfectly. So they sang in anticipation. They said, as we sing, we're longing for a king who's going to save us. As we greet and say, blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord, I hope I greet a traveler who really is the one who came in the name of the Lord to save us, the promised Messiah. The one who's going to overthrow all of our problems. Who's going to stick it to the man and set us free. And we call this Palm Sunday, even though we don't have any palms today. We call it, because there's actually a palm shortage, but that's another story. story. We call this Palm Sunday because Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And as he did, it says that the, the festival participants laid down their cloaks, but also they waved palm branches before him. You see, since the Maccabean revolt, revolt, which happened 175 years prior, the palm branch had become a symbol of Israel. The, the palm branch had become kind of like the banner or the flag of Israel. Because through a series of raids and military campaigns, a man by the name of Judas Maccabee and his army of rebels were victorious over Antiochus Epiphanes and the Syrian dynasty who at that time had oppressed Israel. And after that victory, the Maccabees entered Jerusalem in triumph and they waved the palm branches as they did. And Judas Maccabee, after this great victory over the Syrians, had made the palm branch symbolic of Israel and, in fact, had palm branches stamped on the coins. 
So as he comes into Jerusalem, people are singing festival songs, longing for a Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer. They're there waving branches, the national symbol of Israel, remembering the victory that Judah Maccabees had brought when he threw off the Syrian dynasty. And maybe a Messiah will come this time. And maybe that Messiah will throw off the Romans. Maybe. Maybe he'll come. Maybe he'll come and stick it to the man and set us free. The problem was, what if? What if the man that Jesus came to stick it to was not the Roman government? What if the system that Jesus came to dismantle was not a social system or a political system? What if the system that Jesus came to dismantle was a religious system? Because as Vicky read for us, Jesus marched into town and he didn't go straight for the Roman barracks, did he? He went to the temple. He didn't go straight to the heart of the Roman occupation. He went straight to the heart of the Jewish nation. And friends, as usual, we learn that the real problem that you and I face lies a lot closer to home than we want to admit. We want to believe that the real problem with this world lies out there. But the real problem with the world lies right in here. The problem with the world is not those people. The problem with the world is not the man. The problem with the world is this man. We want to blame the Romans. And we all want a Messiah to stick it to the man and dismantle systems. But friends, the man that Jesus came to confront is you. And is me. You know, we delude ourselves into believing that our biggest problems lay out there, just like Israel had. Our biggest problem is Rome. Our biggest problem is out there. Our biggest problem is them. And we think the same thing. But friends, our biggest problem is not out there. Our biggest problem is right here. The biggest problems that we face are not the man or the system or hegemonic power or racism or capitalism. And if only we could stick it to the man and dismantle the system, we could usher in utopia. Friends, we all have Romans that we blame for our problems. But they're not our biggest problem. From what or from whom are you crying out for a Messiah to rescue you? Because the Messiah has come, but He didn't march right into the heart of those people. He's come to march into the heart of us people. Because our biggest problem is not out there, but in here. And Jesus goes to the temple, we find, and if you look above verse 12, many of the Bibles have a little heading, Jesus cleanses the temple. Now, now the headings that the translators added in, those are not divinely inspired. Those are the translator's opinion. And, And I don't know that he actually was there to cleanse the temple. I think he was, because the idea of cleansing almost feels like it wasn't working right, so he was cleansing it so it would work correctly. I think he marched into the temple Because, not to make it function correctly, but to stop it functioning. Because when he marched into the temple and what he did there would have driven everything to a painful halt. So why would he do that? You know, we hear Jesus and and he quotes a couple of the prophets in order to explain his actions. He quotes Isaiah 56, verse 7. He says, These I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called 
a house of prayer for all peoples. He says the temple was supposed to be a light to the nations, a house of prayer to which all nations and all people could come and worship. It was supposed to be a means of connection and of relationship with God. However, instead of being a place where men and women could come and confess and truly fellowship with the Lord, it had become a place where people were hiding and trying to escape from judgment. See, Jesus references the words then of the prophet Jeremiah, a den of robbers. And friends, this is the context of what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 7, verses 9 through 11. The prophet Jeremiah, the Lord speaks through him saying, Will you steal and murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, go after other gods that you've not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We're delivered! Only to go on doing all of these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I've seen it, declares the Lord. You see, people were living however they wanted. Doing whatever they wanted. And then they would show up at the temple, offer a few sacrifices, and they'd go, Whew, that's done. And then they'd go back out and do it again. And then offer a few sacrifices and go, whew, that's taken care of. And go out and do it again. The temple would become a den of robbers. Because, friends, what do robbers do in their den, in their hideout? Well, they think they're safe. They find safety. They find comfort. They find solace. And they plot their evil deeds. And he says, my temple has become a place where you're using it to cover up for your sin. Rather than to have your sin cleansed and dealt with. In the same way, the temple and the sacrifices had become a place where people thought they could run and find safety without repentance. They could sacrifice a couple of animals and somehow that would cover their unrepentant sins and then they would simply unabashedly return and do the same things again tomorrow. Friends, understand there was nothing wrong with the temple system and the sacrificial system itself. It was a good gift. It was given by God, mandated by God. But the problem with the system wasn't the system. The problem was the sin. Because, friends, see, the problem is we will corrupt any good thing that God gives us. See, Jesus came to address not the problem of systems, but the problem of sin. Jesus didn't come to dismantle systems, but to defeat sin. He didn't come to stick it to the man. He came to stick it to you, man, and you, woman. You know, many today are trying to paint Jesus as like a social justice warrior in the image of the social justice warriors of our day. He's come to deconstruct oppressive systems. He's come to overthrow hegemonic powers. Some say that Jesus' actions here in the temple prove that he came to overthrow capitalism. And we're being offered, you know, some supposedly more just. You know, alternatives to capitalism like Marxism, communism, socialism. You know, so we should stick it to the man and give power to the people. But friends, the problem is not the system. The problem is the sin. The problem is not the system. The problem is the sin. The temple was a good system. It was given by God. But what did human sin do? We distorted it and corrupted it. And how much more will human sin distort and corrupt any other system? that we try to put in place. You know, I know many of you back in high school, for some of you that's longer ago than others, 
you had to read George Orwell's allegorical novel, Animal Farm. And in the novel, the animals conspire to take control of their farm from the humans, and they establish animalist commandments to prevent the oppressive systems that the humans had put over them. But as time goes on, what happens is Napoleon, the pig, who's in charge, goes on and they started under the premise that all animals are equal. But by the end of the book, he's amended that to all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Why? Because that's what we do, friends. The problem is not the system. The problem is the sin in our heart that corrupts whatever we touch. The problem is that we twist and we distort and we destroy. Even if we stick it to the man and overthrow the current system, friends, a new system is going to rise up. Even if we overthrow the current tyranny, a new tyranny is going to rise up. The only thing that will change are the players that are in power. Friends, the problem is not a system, a human system. The problem is human sin. Sin will corrupt any system. Our sinful hearts corrupt anything, no matter how good it is. Any change of human systems without a change of human heart is limited. And so Jesus didn't come just to change a human system and overthrow the Romans. Jesus came to make a lasting change, which is to change the human heart. He came to make possible the change that we need. Because even if he had thrown off the Romans, friends, another oppressor would have risen. I just told you, Jewish Judah, Judah Maccabees overthrew the Syrian dynasty who was oppressing Israel. And what happened 175 years later? The Romans were oppressing Israel. They threw off one oppressor and another one rose. Friends, transitioning systems is temporary. The change that we need starts here. Jesus came to change us. Jesus said, I have come to stick it to the man and you are the man. I've come to overthrow any system that allows you to remain unchanged and unrepentant in your sins. Because, friends, we've met the true enemy, and he's not out there. The true enemy is right here. Jesus hasn't come to fix things for us. Jesus has come to fix us. Like Jesus did on that first Sunday, he rides in today to Camden to overthrow and destroy those places and those practices in your life that are lulling you into a false and a dangerous sense of security. Those things that allow you to believe that regardless of your heart or your motives, your unrepentant sins can just be covered over. Jesus has come to free you from the tyranny of believing that the greatest problem you face is from someone out there rather than from something in here. Jesus wants to overthrow anything that makes you feel better about yourself without actually making it better. You know, through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord spoke to the religious leaders of Jeremiah's day. He says to them in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, they've healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Friends, Jesus has come to overthrow any religion or philosophy that says, peace, peace, when there is no peace that doesn't actually deal with it, that makes us feel better without actually making us better and healing the wound that needs to be healed. Jesus has come to give us what we most need, friends. True and lasting peace. 
He's come to disabuse us from any idea that the only thing that's keeping us from utopia is out there. He's come to disabuse us of any idea that the only thing that's causing us trouble is the Romans. Because, friends, even if the Romans were gone, even if those people were no longer causing us trouble, or that situation was no longer causing me trouble, sin would still remain. Even if Jesus overthrew the current Romans, Romans eventually would still arise again. The problem is not the system. The problem is our sin. And that is why Jesus came. That is why He rose into Jerusalem. That is why He rides in here right now today. He says don't shelter in any system or any idea that simply makes you feel better about yourself in your sin rather than being set free from your sin. Because the problem is not out there. The problem's in here. And that's what Jesus has come to change. And what do we find? That isn't what the people wanted. Because if we're honest, that's not what any of us want. What we really want is a Savior who's going to change them, not change me. I want a Savior who's going to save me from from those people, from that situation. I don't want to change. And that's what we find. This wasn't the type of Messiah that the Israelites want, and He's not the type of Messiah that we want. We don't want Him to mess with us. We don't want Him to stick it to us. Stick it to the man, not to me. And that's why many rejected Him then. And that's why many still reject Him today. Many prefer the safety of a Jesus who's come to deal with them, but not with me. We can continue to hide in our own sinful thoughts, attitudes, and actions. We can continue to focus on the man and to ignore the problems of this man. But Jesus didn't come to stand for that. He came into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, rode to the heart of the problem, and He's ridden here today to deal with the heart of our problem. Not a system, but sinful hearts. And friends, the question for you and for me is, how will we respond? We see how they responded in ancient Israel. Some received him, some rejected him. In fact, in this account that Vicki read for us, do you notice the blind saw him? The religious leaders, who supposedly had really good sight, they missed him. The blind saw him. It says the little children were wise enough to welcome him. So basically the message is you guys are dumber than children. You missed him. The blind saw him. Little children were wise enough to welcome him, but the powerful and prideful were too blind and too foolish to see him and receive him because that's not the Messiah they want. That's not the Savior I want. I don't want a Savior who's going to deal with me. I want a Savior to deal with them. But Jesus said, that's not why I've come. And friends, that's not why he's come today. He's come so we can no longer hide. He's come to expose our sin, to forgive it and to heal it. And how will you respond? How are you hiding in your sin and hiding your sin? How are you justifying your own sinful attitudes, actions, and behaviors, even as they did in the temple back then? How are you blaming the man when you should be blaming this man or this woman? How are you misplacing your hope in changing human systems rather than changing human hearts. Friends, Jesus may not be the Messiah that you want, 
But I promise you, the Messiah who rode into Jerusalem then and who rides in today is the Messiah, the Savior, that we most need. How will you respond to Him today? Let's pray. Father, move our hearts to respond to Jesus Christ. Soften the hardness of our hearts that says, God, come and deal with them, but don't deal with me. Forgive the stubbornness that, and the blindness that refuses to see. Forgive the foolishness that thinks itself wise, but refuses to admit. And Father, submit us now to the One who has come, to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, come to rescue us from the true oppressor, our sin. Set us free now. In the name and the power of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.